We're going to start this podcast off with a test. Here's the scenario. You're in Aruba on a week's vacation. Before you went there, you did your homework. You made sure the hotel you were staying at had a pretty good gym. Not a sick gym, but a pretty good gym. It's got the dumbbells up to 50 pounds. It's got a station where you can do pull-ups and chin-ups. It's got some of those, uh, you know, those canned hotel machines. You got your seated bench press. You got your lat pull down. You got maybe if you're lucky, you got some place that you can do some rows and a leg press. You have just enough stuff that you can continue to push yourself while you're away on vacation. And it's got just enough stuff that maybe you can keep your uh, your pump going so that you're looking swole while you're walking the beach. Now you're smart, but you're not smart enough. You're smart. You're smart enough to know that you got to work out. You're not smart enough to know that you can't out-train your mouth. You've listened to the podcasts, but you say, that, who cares? I have to burn off everything that I ate while I was on this vacation. So you're working out and working out and working out, getting your pump on, taking it to another level. Even while you're on vacation, you go to sleep one night, you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you can't move your right knee. So what do you do? Well, option one is roll over and just hope for the best. Maybe you go back to sleep. Maybe all the pain goes away. Option two you roll out of bed, you crawl to your uh, my wife's little medicine bag, maybe you take a, maybe you find some Advil if you're lucky, you pop a couple of Advil, you know, it's not something you would have brought, but you, you hope that she does and she did, you pop, pop a couple of Advil, you crawl back into bed, you hope for the best. Option three, maybe you uh, crawl over to the, the shower, make, get a nice hot shower and just pour that hot water all over your leg and hopefully it mobilizes it. Or option four, you can do what I did. And if you want to cheat on the test, I'm going to tell you, do what I did. You, you get up, you get dressed, you, you walk a couple of laps up and down your floor, your hotel room, I'm sorry, of your hotel, realize it's not working itself out. You then proceed to go to the 24-hour gym at the hotel. You do your do a little walking on the treadmill, try and get the, the cobwebs out of your system, try and get some blood flow into the area. You do your full dynamic warm-up. You go back on the treadmill, and then maybe you, you finish up the exercise session with a, a little bit of foam rolling. So why why is this the right answer? Why is option four the right answer? Well, they're gonna talk, we're going to talk about this today in our final installment of the Secrets of Strength miniseries. So if you remember the previous episodes and the secrets of strength, we were talking about this pyramid. The tip of the pyramid, the very last thing, is recovery. And everything else that we talked about along the way should hopefully have made recovery easier. So let's just do a quick recap. The base of that pyramid was breathing. And if you were breathing right, and if you were breathing the right way at specific times, it was going to engage your parasympathetic nervous system and really start that recovery process. The next level up was sleep. So if you're sleeping right, if you're sleeping for the right amount of time, if you're sleeping at the right times of day, if you're sleeping the right way, well then that's going to help you get your regenerative properties going, uh, testosterone is going to be released, and recovery is going to continue there. And then we talked about nutrition. That's the third layer up. Well, if I have the right levels of nutrition, my, that food is going to rebuild my body. It's not going to break it down with inflammatory foods. And it's also, I'm going to hydrate enough so that my body can recover. And uh, I heard this last week from the strength coach of the Miami Dolphins. We were talking about recovery uh, techniques, and he was talking, he made a great analogy. He said, your muscle, consider it to be like a, or like, think about it like a rubber band. And think about a, a worn out, dry rubber band. Is that going to perform better? Is that going to be more pliable? Is that going to get back to its initial state more than a nice new rubber band or one that you maybe dipped in a pool of water? So think about these things. 
if you're doing these things right, then you've already given yourself a head start to the recovery process. You should not, if you're doing these things right, you shouldn't be in a position where you continually feel banged up. And the truth is, you shouldn't feel banged up. So if we go to that fourth level, the fourth level of the Secrets of Strength Pyramid, that was actually training. And if you are training right, if you are doing mobility work during your training, then you shouldn't feel banged up all the time. You know, a lot of guys, they take pride in feeling like they can't walk down a flight of steps or they sit down and they can hardly get back up because their body feels like they're in insane pain. There's really no reason that you should feel like that. There are reasons that you do. Uh, you're, you're training improperly. You have bad form. You have bad posture. You're constantly stressed out, so your muscles are always tense. You're overtraining where you're just destroying your body. Those are the reasons why you do feel like that. But those are the symptoms of just, I'm sorry, those are the causes of the symptom of feeling like garbage. Now, there are unique circumstances where you will feel like garbage, and that's probably because you're in a competitive period where you are competing or working at a level that exceeds what you normally should do. And if, those, if that's the time, well, then you got to do it. If you're playing a football game, you got to do it. If you're at a powerlifting meet, you got to do it. But when you are training, in a normal state, especially if you are not an elite athlete who's not competing for something at the highest level, then you should not feel like garbage all the time. So let's talk about uh, how how should we begin this recovery process, right? How should we begin the recovery process? So for me, it really starts, let's just talk about it through how we're working out, all right? So if I'm working out in the gym, what I need to do during the workout to ignite my recovery is to make sure I'm doing my lifts properly, to make sure that I have good form. Because if I don't feel pain in the first place, then I don't have to spend six hours on a foam roller every single night to try and feel like a human being the next day. So what we do while we're training, we always have an A and a B. The A might be the, the main portion of our lift, say it's a squat. The B would be some sort of mobility or corrective work. Maybe it's like a, a single leg squat or a single leg squat and touch or uh, an ankle mobility drill. It's just something to help our body become more mobile and I'd say more balanced to get into the proper positions. So if you're doing that while you're lifting, you're not going to feel as much pain after you're lifting. The other thing I'd say is before your warm-up, sorry, before your workout, are you doing a warm-up that is preparing your body to, be, to get into those right positions or to handle the load that you're about to put on your back or on your chest or whatever the situation may be? So for us, we do our standard four-minute dynamic warm-up. It's a great warm-up, and hopefully by doing that right, it puts your body in the driver's seat to do your movements right during the workout, again, so you don't feel banged up from having the wrong posture, from having the wrong form during your workout. And now things that I've spoken about before is, well, what happens right after the workout? Well, after the workout, what we do to begin the quote-unquote formal recovery process. So we've worked out, we've broken our body down, now we want to start to build it back up. For us, when we started doing this, guys didn't like it. They thought it was corny, but now they've begun to embrace it. We now have a dedicated recovery period right after our workout. It's actually part of the workout. So people used to call it a cool down. Now for me, it is like a, it's a recovery slash decompression period. We do three things during that period. Thing number one is we stretch. 
Now, we don't stretch to become more flexible or more mobile. We're really stretching in my world as an excuse to begin to get ourselves into the parasympathetic state. Because while we are stretching, we are working on our breathing techniques. Now, the stretching is good. It's, you know, we got a big, we got a lot of blood flow into the area. So hopefully we can get that blood in and, you know, as, as, a, as a, right after the workout, as we're stretching to just begin some of that, that drainage of the waste in our system. But it's really a matter of us getting into that stretch. We hold it for one breath through our nose. If you remember the breathing podcast, everything is diaphragmatic breathing. We breathe in through our nose. We hold that breath. We breathe out through our nose. We hold that breath. And that's the one stretch. And then after we do that, we will then hang from the bar. So we put our hands on a pull-up bar. We will hang there for four breaths. And that removes impingement from our shoulders. It decompresses the spine. And then after that, we lay upside down. Uh, so maybe it's like a decline decline bench press machine that you have. You, I'll call that laying upside down where your feet are over your heart. We drop our hands to the floor. Again, it decompresses our spine. It puts our extremities over our heart, similar to the hanging. It removes a little bit of impingement from our hips. And now we're in a position where we can get active lymphatic drainage. So it's said that by having your extremities over your heart, you are able to drain some of the... Uh, the lymphatic fluid back into your central to your to your circulatory system. So this is how we start the recovery process and it really should begin again it should begin before you even start working out by the way you live and by the way you work out but this is just a good way to decompress your body let let the healing process begin right even before you've walked out of that gym. Okay. So now let's take it to well what else should I do? Well, so you did that now, I'll be honest, before I started doing that, my nighttime at home was a, it was a disaster. I'd work out, I'd jump rope, I wouldn't stretch out, I'd go home, and then uh, every night I'd spend, I don't know, like a solid hour on a foam roller. I'd have a lacrosse ball wedged into my shoulder. I'd have a, a theracane, you know, stuck into my armpit, whatever I had to do to loosen it up. That doesn't need to be the case. Now, and I used to say to people, with big muscles come big responsibility because a lot of people will lift and they'll get these muscles and they won't do that stuff and they'll feel like garbage for the rest of the day. And if you don't do something to get your body at ease, your mind at ease before you go to bed, you're just going to wake up super tight and it's going to be impossible to walk down a flight of steps and God help you if somebody breaks in your house, you're not going to be able to do anything. So having said that, I don't... I don't need to do this stuff every night anymore because of what we do after a lift, but I do this stuff every night to really get myself into a calm, meditative state before I go to sleep so I can sleep better. Again, it's that second level on the pyramid of sleeping. So what do I do? Uh, I do some form of light stretching. And uh, one comment to make is that when you are stretching or you're doing a foam roll or, or a cross ball, you should never be tight. You want to be loose when you stretch. You don't want to tighten up your muscles so much that you're, you're kind of defeating the entire purpose of doing the stretch that you're doing. So I would do some light stretching. I do some foam rolling. And I really, or maybe I do some lacrosse ball if I have a little spot that I feel I might have gotten tight during the course of the day. And really, I do it with the intent of breathing. So I'm doing it to get myself into more diaphragmatic breathing and prepare myself for bed. It's really what what calms me down, it gets me in a 
space to go to sleep, and hopefully I've done everything right, and I don't have any massive, I don't know, injuries or pain points because I've done things wrong, wrongs over the course of the day. Now, if I do, and it's going to happen, a long car ride, uh, stuck in traffic for two hours on 287 getting home, sitting in meetings all day, maybe I uh, took it to another level, a tough man session, and I feel tight, I feel the tightness coming on, I think I've done everything right, but it's still coming on, all right, then I will, what I'll start to do, I'll work with my foam roller, I'll work with my lacrosse ball, and I'll work on that area where I'm feeling some tightness or impingement. Or, or I, you know, in this, I know this, if I'm really feeling pain, what I do are mobility drills. I'll work some mobility drills if, in an area because I know that, to me, that works better. Moving works better than using a foam roller or a lacrosse ball. To me, m- movement, moving that area, walking it off, as Gary Reynolds said, those are the best techniques. So I do that before I go to sleep, and then what do you do the next day, right? Because people will feel it the next day or the day after the next day, right? It's that called that delayed on mu- onset muscle soreness. So for me, when I wake up in the morning, mobility is a must. So I get up, go to the bathroom, drink a, you know, 64 ounces of water, go walk my dog, and try and move. Now, hopefully, and really, the best means of recovery is doing light movements of the stuff that made you sore. So let's just say your chest is blasted from a, a bench press session. Well, the best way to, to recover is to perform light bench presses the next day. Uh, your, your legs are killing you from heavy squats. Well, the best way to get recovery is to do light squats the next day. You really want to move and get blood back into the system and get, as Gary Rhino called it, that passive lymphatic drainage. Now, taking a quick step back to Gary Rhino and his podcast with me on uh, Don't Ice That Ankle. So... What he was talking about in that episode, and this is just, again, the Reader's Digest version of it, were acute injuries. Uh, You're in a football game, you sprain your ankle, what do you do? So let's go back to the what do you do, and let's go back to the test of what did I do. Things I didn't do. You don't put ice on it, right? Uh, Spraining my ankle or my hurt knee when I was sleeping, the same deal, putting ice on it is not a winner. Thing number two is you don't not move it. Sprain my ankle, all right, maybe I, I, hopefully I can move it a little bit, but that's the best way to get that passive lymphatic drainage back, but I definitely don't want to not mobilize it. Same thing with my knee. I didn't roll over and hope for the best. What I wanted to do was mobilize that area to make sure I can help that area. So that his was talking about, I'd say, acute injuries, and my, my original conversation was talking about, I wouldn't call it an injury, I would say it's just tightness or soreness or feeling like garbage because of, of overuse or because of working that muscle. So let's talk about the the how, right? So I said there's a foam roller, I said there's a lacrosse ball, but really there's some tricks to this game. So how did I know that because my knee was hurting me, I should focus on movement, on let's say, on the front of my calf? Well, from what I know is that when you have a joint that hurts, you really need to look above the joint and below the joint. There's a reason that my knee hurt. The reason my knee hurt is because my quad was tight and because my calf was tight and they were so tight they were pulling on my knee. So the only way to, re- to release my knee was to make the areas above and below that joint loose and to do that by getting blood flow back into to the area by contracting my muscles. That was really the best way to do it. So if your elbow hurts, you want to work on your tricep or bicep and your forearm, right? You want to go above the area and below the area. So these are things that you, you really should do while you are 
doing your recovery process. So what I said before, every night before I go to bed and I got a pain in a certain area, I'm not just putting, let's say it's my, uh, my left hip. I'm not just working on my left hip and throwing the lacrosse ball into my left hip to get that pain out of my left hip because that's only going to cure the symptom that I'm having. I have to get rid of the cause. So if my left hip hurts, a lot of the time, I'm going to work below the joint, maybe my upper quad. Maybe I'll work behind the joint on my glute to try and loosen up the areas that may or may not be, that may actually may be pulling on that area or making me tight, causing me to have bad posture, causing me to be in a dysfunctional movement pattern that caused the problem to begin with. So really, while you're doing this stuff, there are some, there's tricks to it. One, go above and below the joint. Two, don't be tight. We talked about that before. We, when we stretch, we don't want to be tight. And three, you got to go slow. So a little trick with a foam roller is that you really want to go about an inch per second. You don't want to roll it out like you're rolling out pizza dough. It's an inch per second over your body. Get yourself into a meditative state. Take your time and then go above the problem area and below the problem area. I'd also say if, you know, if just your left leg hurts, uh, balance it out with the right. Don't just constantly work on that one part unless it hurts so much that you can't move. The other trick to foam rolling is that you don't want to go over your joint. So let's just say it's your knee. Let's keep it simple. I want to work on my quad. I'll work on my quad. I'll stop, and then I'll work on my calf. I don't want to roll from my quad over my knee and then down my calf. That's not what I want to do. I would take the same exact methodology with a lacrosse ball. So the difference between a lacrosse ball and a foam roller, the foam roller, it covers a wider surface area. It's going to do more of a general, I'd say, recovery than a lacrosse ball. It's not going to hurt as much as a lacrosse ball unless you get one of those foam rollers with all those little spikes sticking out of them. Pretty cool, but whatever. Uh, so you could use that foam roller to cover more of a general area, and you can use a lacrosse ball to get into a more local area. Say you can't fit the, the foam roller into area, or it's a really small area that's bothering you. You could put it in there. And for even more of a targeted area, I like to use something called a theracane. So it looks like a cane, and it's got all these little, like it looks like a legitimate cane, like a cane that a guy would be walking on. It's got these little balls on the end of it, and you could be able to manipulate that cane to get into parts of your body that you want to quote-unquote get the knot out. It's a, it's a little more effective than a lacrosse ball because you can actually position it in, in to areas of your body that you couldn't possibly reach with a lacrosse ball. If you don't have the skills or the means to you know maybe lacro uh, lay a lacrosse ball on something or manipulate your body where you can stick the lacrosse ball somewhere, this is a nice little trick. You could do it uh, while you're watching TV. So those are three tools, and, and there's been some conversations about foam rolling not really working. Uh, there's no such thing as knots in your body, uh, that it, it really doesn't alleviate pain. I'm going to say this, do whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> I'll say it again, do what makes you feel better. If your mind thinks that this thing is working, then do it. Just follow the tricks that I said, right? Go slowly, don't be tight. Go above and below the joint and work on your breathing. But, you know, so if someone's armed with, hey, a, a foam roller doesn't work. Look, if it's going to help you get calm and relaxed, if it's going to help you go to sleep, do it. I'd say the same thing about saunas or about massages. People can argue the points all they want. I'd say if it's going to put you in a calm state, if it's going to get you out of the sympathetic state, if it's going to help you relax, then go do it. It's worth doing.
Now, what do you do if you can't move at all, right? You're banged up uh, or you're in a place where you can't move. It's not convenient for you to walk around. Maybe you're driving in a car or you've hurt your joints so badly that there's no way for you to get this passive lymphatic drainage. Well, Gary Rinal, he alluded to it, and I'm going to talk about it now. There's something called a Mark Pro. Essentially, you put these uh, electronic stimulators on your body, and what it does is it, it sends an electrical pulse to your body, and it contracts the muscle for you. So if you can't contract the muscle on your own, you put this thing on, and uh, the best way to do it is, uh, again, b above and below the area where you have pain. You don't want to do it in a, in a place where you're keeping your leg cramped up or tight or your arm cramped up and tight. You put these two electrodes on. You put it to the, uh, I'd say, the, the volume that you need. You put this thing on, and, and you let it roll. And, and it's gonna, what it's going to do, it's going to contract your muscles for you so you don't have to move. And that's just another way to mobilize, quote-unquote, mobilize the body, but without having to move in a situation where you can't. One thing that Gary has offered to us, if you go to, I think it's called uh, markpro.com, markpro.com, M-A-R-C-K-P-R-O.com. When you go to buy uh, your Mark Pro, if you are going to buy one, put in the word Gary. And then mention in the comments that you heard it on the Advanced Training Podcast, and they will give you, I believe it's 10% off. I can't remember what the, the number is, but you're going to get a discount from buying that Mark Pro. This is not, I'm not here to give you a sales pitch. I'm just saying if you want it, if you use that information at markpro.com, you will get a, a discount for using that machine. And I know some of you have played college football. You've had something, you've used something similar like this in the past when you went to your trainer. It's it's very similar to the quote-unquote uh, ice and stim, but it was without the, the ice. This is just the stim. But I'm not going to say it's the same exact tool. I think it's a little more, uh, I'd say... It's a little more user-friendly to people like us, and it's probably a little more uh, modernized since when I was in a gym. Okay, so just a quick recap. Recovery is the top of this pyramid. In my mind, you shouldn't feel like you need to recover all the time with active recovery, meaning foam rolling, lacrosse balls, all that other good stuff. Oh, while I'm on the topic, I'm also a big fan with respect to recovery of using bands. I didn't talk about that before. So remember those elite FTS bands that we use. I am a huge fan of using them as part of the recovery process. So why would I use them? Well, there's two separate ways I'd use them. One of them is for something called banded uh, distraction. So essentially, you'd wrap the band, I don't know, around your ankle, around your foot, I should say, or around your hand. And anything that you can do to have that band pull on your joint and create separation in that joint capsule. So I like to do it for my ankle joint, my shoulder joint, my hip joint. All right, so those are areas where I like to have that band pulling on my body and essentially decompressing the areas that have been compressed through weightlifting or through life or through whatever where they're jammed tight. The other thing I like to do is uh, it's called flossing where you hold a stretch and now you also have a band wrapped around your body and now it's actually making you it adding some resistance to that stretch or to that mobilization area so that now you are bracing your body in the right way it's in, it's engaging more of your uh, your muscles in that time but it's also helping you while you are stretching so you're not going to be tight i'm not saying to get super tight but it's adding just enough resistance where you're activating the muscles in the right way that it's going to aid in the recovery process so with that we are now complete with our Secrets of Strength mini-series. 
I've loved every second of it. I'd highly recommend you listen to every single episode in the Secrets of Strength miniseries. If you do this, I promise you, you will be living an optimal life. If you do all five layers of that Secrets of Strength the right way, you are going to be living a great, great life. I promise you that. The easy part is saying it. The hard part is doing it. If you have questions along the way, please let me know. Uh, it takes a village to get this stuff done. You need a support group. I'm here for you. The rest of the advanced tr training crew is here for you. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Bye.